good. Welcome. Welcome to the Listening to the Earth podcast. Today, I'm extremely happy to be with Elise Buckle, a wonderful uh, woman who's been working on sustainable development for 20 years and for the last 15 years on climate change and climate policy at the heart of a lot of the action in COPs and climate summits. And Elise is also the founder of Climate and Sustainability, an innovative platform of collaboration for change makers. And she's the facilitator of the Planetary Emergency Partnership, very active in several forums, making links to all the key sectors. For example, Elise, you are one of the authors of a paper on nature-based solutions for the Global Alliance for the Future of Food, which is gathering this week as we speak. So I'm delighted that you're with us today. Thank you. Actually, tell us a little bit more. As facilitator of the Planetary Emergency Partnership, you are working hard to call the world leaders' attention to the fact we are facing a planetary emergency. Can you tell us why you and the partners in this group feel we are this, facing this planetary emergency? What is it about? Thank you, Charlotte. Thank you so much for your leadership and a pleasure to be with all of you today. So yes, we are facing a planetary emergency and it's actually a triple crisis, a health crisis, a climate crisis and a biodiversity crisis. And the health crisis is the symptom of something much bigger, deeper and longer term. Science tells us that deforestation, biodiversity loss, wildlife trafficking and, and also meat consumption, these are all factors that are increasing the risk of pandemics. More than 60% of infection diseases that we have as human beings come from animals. And this is directly linked to our consumption patterns. When we buy an iPhone, we need to produce minerals for batteries. And for that, we have to extract these minerals uh, from underground in places in the tropics where we have to cut down forests. We also forest for producing meat. And in that process, we also build more roads in remote areas where people are uh, working in very poor labor conditions. And they are also in contact of wild animals where you have a greater risk of transmission. Um, if you look at where the crisis started, the COVID-19 pandemic started on a food market in China. And it's not a surprise. It's a place where there were wild animals that were being kept in cages and close to domestic animals and humans. It could also have started in Europe or in the US where industrial meat production is also creating a major risk for health due to the high concentration of animals. So in a way, this is a sign that our system is not working and that our planet Earth is sick. Uh, there's also global, global warming and the planet is actually with a high temperature fever this is only the start. We've seen that uh, forests were burning in California, in Siberia, in Australia, in the Amazon, and the smoke is making us choke. We're also burning fossil fuels in cities. And so in cities as well, people are choking. Um, in a way, it's a sign also that, uh, that our lungs need intensive care because the forests are the lungs of the earth and the rivers are the vessels that are carrying the energy and the blood and the water to the soils and these soils can can grow some food and plants if they are healthy and if they have the nutrients to do that so we need to take care of our planet if we take care of nature nature will take care of us 
And as human beings, we take it for granted. You know, every day, every morning, we wake up and we walk on this planet Earth and we take it for granted that the Earth will provide us with the food, the water, the materials we need for eating, for drinking, for sheltering our families. So we've been living these lives in a kind of automatic pilot, uh, rushing for work, rushing for money, for buying, for trashing, for traffic. And in the meantime, we kind of lost this connection with nature. So I'm really grateful to the work you're doing through listening to the earth to help us to reconnect to ourselves and to reconnect with nature. Oh, thank you very much, Elise. And actually, we should also be thanking you because you've been an active supporter from the beginning, uh, you know, helping us, especially when the idea first emerged of supporting the Climate Summit in New York by encouraging people around the world to support the outcomes of the summit uh, by mindfully connecting to the earth and envisioning positive outcomes. And how do you think this invitation we've been spreading together of listening to the earth relates to this planetary emergency and to the fact that we're facing all these tipping points where, you know, the negative consequences of our actions, our nature could be accelerating in the time, times to come. So where does listening to the earth fit in all of that? Yes, I think in this time of lockdown, listening to the earth is really helping us to, uh, First, to relax, because I think there's been a lot of anxiety. So, you know, when the state of emergency was declared here in Switzerland, I actually find your group was a source of energy uh, to, to relax and to kind of embrace the changes around us, accept these changes, and to feel more secure in terms of the, the new life that's starting, because I think we are entering into, into a new phase. And, um, and I think you're also helping people in terms of reconnecting to nature. So now what's happening in large cities in the developed world first is that uh, people are rediscovering the joy of seeing a blue sky or breathing some clean air, listening to the birds in the morning. Um, so we are, we are actually realizing that we are enjoying this life without so much pollution, without so much noise and just listening to, to nature, this nature that's coming back to our cities, also with all these animals running around. So I think listening to the earth is, is helping us in this transition um, to kind of uh, reconnect with the beauty of nature. For example, we've almost forgotten that we had beautiful sunrise and set, set, sunset every day. You know, we're all behind our computer with this artificial blue light. And now in big cities, people are taking the time to watch the sunrise, the sunset, to also take the time to cook some good food, to take the time to, to kiss the people they love in their families. And I think listening to the earth is part of this kind of awakening that we need to be more awake in our lives and not just on this kind of automatic pilot. Uh, I think it's also a reminder that uh, maybe in, in the developed world, we've lost, we've lost this connection, but actually there are other people who are still living very close to nature. Uh, for example, indigenous people, they are living in nature and nature is their supermarket for everything. They're also suffering from the impacts of climate change because the rainy seasons are less reliable than before. So this is affecting their food security and causing conflicts and migrations. Uh, but a lot of indigenous people and local communities have this very strong connection and they have a lot of traditional knowledge that can be used to, to make us more resilient. 
Um, so yes, I think it's a very timely initiative, and and we need more of it. <laughs> Thank you, and indeed that that we there is this call in a way to go back to the land, to go back to the voices of the land and the indigenous uh, leaders, and um, maybe this time of of, of crisis uh, is is really a time also to be more aware of the connections between the health of the planet and the health of the people. In fact, we're very uh, grateful that you had the idea of launching these solidarity meditations that we hold every week, every Sunday evening. We've called, you've, you had the idea of calling them solidarity meditations, healing people, healing the planet. Um, can you tell, tell us a little bit more how you were inspired by, by this idea and why do you feel we need solidarity more than ever in this time? Yes, I think this crisis is also a wake-up call. It's a call for solidarity, for, for all of us to unite as human beings. So it's a call for a pause, for listening to, to the earth, listening to nature, a call for being more aware of what's happening and also a call for a major reset. So... I think this virus is showing us where we are strong and where we are weak as individuals, but also as a society. So we strongly depend on each other and we depend on nature for our survival. And I think these solidarity meditations were just a very simple moment where we could come together and connect as human beings and, and help each other in a way. And I think we've realized that we, we depend on each other for, of course, for food production, for health, uh, but also for these, these human connections. And, and you, as human beings, we're just one species interacting with many other species. So we're one living system sharing one planet and one health. And so we, we kind of need to embrace this unity, but also value the diversity and the complexity of our systems. And this is maybe the key to a sustainable future. So it's, now is the time to really rethink our, the relationship uh, between between people and nature and to, to be more sensitive to, to what's happening around us. Um, this virus is also showing the vulnerability of people who are um, not as lucky as we are, but also shedding the lights on the people who bring real value, value to society. Um, the nurses, the farmers, the food providers, the teachers, the helpers, the cleaners, these are all people that normally don't really have a voice. And suddenly we realize that they are bringing so much value to our society. Um, so I think these solidarity meditations were also a way of saying thank you to these people who are helping all of us mm -hmm. and who are helping the most vulnerable people that don't have the luxury of having access to a healthcare system that are now struggling with food security. So, so really a deep sense of empathy and support for people who are helping the most vulnerable people and also these people are, who are actually suffering through the crisis. I love what you're saying and it's making me think how we are given the opportunity to all of a sudden give value to what we take for granted usually, as you were saying, you know, nature, uh, health, um, the civil, the, the support of, of social workers of all sectors and maybe listening to, to earth, listening to others is a, a simple way of respecting and acknowledging and being grateful. It seems in a way that we're at a turnkey moment in history, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. 
Yes. So I think that now is actually the moment for for a major transformation of our society. Uh, it's it's really the time when we can come together, we can connect the various communities that are working on health, on development, on biodiversity, on climate, and come to, together to really rethink our societies. Um, and it's also a time when leaders can decide to stimulate the economy and put us on a safe pathway. But if they don't, you know, we'll go back to the business as usual model. So it needs to be a very wise choice. It's also a moment when citizens need to make their voices heard. And the message needs to be very loud and clear for our leaders to listen to this message. Uh, so we can really harness our fears and build hope and drive action for climate, people, and nature for a, a systemic approach. And, and now is the time to respond to this planetary emergency with solutions that build resilience for, for the longer term. So there are many solutions. We know what they are. You know, we know that we need to invest in renewable energy. Instead of fossil fuels, we can protect and restore nature and create millions of jobs uh, by investing in reforestation, sustainable food systems, regenerative agriculture. We create a win-win-win opportunity for climate, people, and nature. And you were just saying before we started that cities and local communities also have a key role to play to make our society more resilient with a more circular economy model. So these are all very positive actions and we all need that, that source of hope and collective action. Um, we need this kind of optimism for life re regeneration on earth. I'm one of these people who are um, climate optimists and very stubborn climate optimists. Um, so let's just use these solutions all is needed is political leadership and finance to, to scale up these solutions. Thank you, Elise. Yes, let's join Christina, Christiana Figueres in being stubborn optimists, definitely. And um, maybe to conclude, can you, can you tell us how the act of listening to the earth, which our invitation is to tune in to earth's wisdom, can support us in... Um, in in making this transformation and in, in, in building a new and better future for ourselves, our children, and many generations to come. How can tuning into the earth's wisdom support us? How can we do that? Yes, well, I think this is a great idea that you had to bring these moments of mindfulness to leaders when they start a negotiation at the international level, when there is a climate action summit or a very important space for discussion. There will be a, an important moment in September in New York the, during the UN General Assembly. And part of that meeting will probably take place online. But this is maybe also the time for leaders to be more aware, to be better connected to themselves, to others and to nature. So making peace between nations and making peace with nature, this is really at the center of this transformation. Um, so I think that actually just by bringing a few minutes of meditation at the start of these big meetings, it could have a lot of impact in terms of the way we think, uh, the way we, we shape the future for, for future generations. Thank you so much, Elise. And I wish you all the very best in the great work that you are catalyzing with the wonderful people. So thanks a lot. And it's been a pleasure being with you today. Thank you. Thank you.